0: of violence, war, magic, and the supernatural, I am here to bring you a glimmer of hope for tomorrow. This is the Voice of Hope Podcast, and you can call me Beacon, your auditory guide to the safety of Castle Refuge. To all Tomorrow Legion teams in the field, reference your updated ciphers. Your mission profile references are 5, 2, 13, 8, King of Hearts, 20, 8, 19, 1, 11, 16 25 9 3 5 2 4 12 Ace of Hearts 11 16 3 Ace of Diamonds 16 18 To all sets and Legion teams, you are directed to gather any intelligence you can find on a group referring to themselves as the Republicans. Set 88 was on R&R here in Castle Refuge and was approached by a representative claiming to be a member of the Republicans. This individual stated that the organization has operated in the shadows throughout the Dark Ages, manipulating events such as the rise of the Coalition and the discovery of the Glitter Boy facility in Free Quebec. The individual stated they wanted information that has been relayed from Community Outreach Team 438 in Rapid City. The team recently requested intelligence about a legendary Neiman facility near Rapid City called the Sanford Underground Military Facility. The individual was extremely interested in the location of this facility. How this individual knew about this bit of intelligence, we are unsure. Additionally, Set 88 was the team designated to research this information. Unfortunately, the individual disappeared before he could be apprehended. North American Myth states that the Republicans are tied in some way to the ancient Nemans that defended the people of North America during the beginning of the Dark Ages and brought the Glitterboy armor to us. Other stories tell more subtle tales of the Republicans appearing to warn of impending doom and providing escape routes or making suggestions on how to overcome a threat. They were also known to help form bands of heroes during the Dark Ages, leading them to unknown caches of weapons, equipment, and knowledge. It is even said that they were known to bestow Glitter Boys upon those they deemed worthy of the honor. Whether this individual was a member of this group or not has yet to be seen. It could be that they are just trying to leverage this legend to get access to classified Legion information for their own nefarious reasons. It is interesting, though, that much of what we know about this group is tied to what we know about the Neiman and the Glitter Boys, Jasper has a great lecture about the known history of these Glitter Boy suits. Since its creation, the Legion has had a number of Glitterboy pilots join our ranks because they feel that the Legion provides them with the best opportunity to meet the ideals of the ancient Nemans. This is quite the honor to compare the Legion to the Nemans, although not all the pilots claim Neman ancestry. One of our more recent recruits by the name of Lieutenant J.P. Sims, for example. He showed up at Castle Refuge a few weeks ago, asking to join the Legion and was identified as a skilled Glitterboy pilot. He has proven to be a unique individual, claiming that he grew up in an orbiting space station and he crashed his Glitter Boy suit near Castle Refuge after fighting off an alien attack on the planet. Rumor has it, after he was accepted to the Legion, he took General Magruder himself out and turned over the wreckage of his advanced Glitter Boy suit. As eccentric as he is, he knows his way around a G-10 suit and has even added some modifications to it that none of the mechanics in the castle can replicate. After a long delay, the communications officers of the Legion have finally been able to decode Calton's last report. It is a harrowing tale. Here it is in its entirety.
1: Hey, Beacon, it's Calton again. Last time, man, I told you about how I met these mutants who ran away from Lone Star when I was away from my party on a mission. Well, I went back to Aiken, the town my team was helping. Smiley was kind of mad at me for going off into the woods, and I was feeling kind of bad about letting my team worry about me overnight. But I told him about the mutant animals, and he seemed to be at least a bit happy about that. Well, the team hadn't finished what they were doing, but he figured we should stick together and get back to Samantha and her people. We pulled in our whole team, Smiley McSmileface, our Crackletooth leader, Mickey the Crackletooth Heavy, Sarah the Psi-X Alien Psi Operator, and her human assistant Wilbur. Chinnets the Quick Flex Headhunter, and me the Mystic. And we had George, our trusty Fury Beetle Mount. When we got about half a mile from the mutant settlement, we heard some serious railgun fire and explosions suddenly erupt, but nothing seemed to be coming our way. Smiley had us take up defensive positions while Sarah started trying to radio anyone nearby to get a handle on what was happening. It didn't take long, but Samantha came online, and I got to talk to her. She said there were a bunch of flying Titan power armor hitting them with missiles, and their advanced sentries had come under small arms fire. They were scrambling, but it sounded like a coordinated assault. I told them we were close, and we could help. I also told her we what we looked like, hoping her people wouldn't attack us. Now keep in mind, we're a community outreach team, and we're not really supposed to be engaging in battle on a regular basis. But we have some combat ability, so Smiley, well, he grinned. He said we should make a flanking maneuver, as he didn't think whoever was hitting the mutants would expect someone whacking them in the rear with magic and heavy weaponry. With Chinnets running on point with her bionic legs, we boogie it fast. Still over the radio, Samantha said there were a couple dozen mercs wearing Northern Gun Armor and wielding Wilkes lasers, along with 3 Triax Tri-X Ultimaxes, making their way up the north slope of their hill. Her people were reporting more laser fire to their east and west. Now Smiley's a smart dude, and he figured the goal was to force the mutants south and hit them when they tried to leave. So they must have something waiting over there all quiet-like. I told him all about the traps and defenses going up the hill to the Mutant Village, and he thought whoever was attacking probably didn't want to fight through all of that. Well Chinnit spotted a pair of Triak Superhunters Super Hunters supported by a couple of dozen more infantry and foxholes. To avoid being spotted by those flying Titan Power Armor, we went on foot. As Smiley told us his plan. Those super hunters, he said, were real good at killing lots of foot soldiers with missiles and ion blasts, but they were not real great at much else. He wanted me to put Mickey in magical armor so he could draw fire from the infantry and hit the robots with some railgun fire. Once infantry was distracted by a guy they couldn't kill with lasers, we'd be able to hit him hard. I'll tell you, Beacon, we were outnumbered and outgunned, so I didn't know if we'd stand much of a chance. Well, my friend Mickey thought it was a grand idea and he eagerly took my magical protection. He slipped around to get a good shot on one of those super hunters and messed it up pretty good. Damaged but not out of the fight as yet. Sure enough, the foot soldiers leapt from their foxholes to get in a light of fire on our comrade who belly laughed at their futile attacks. Now goddess knows I hate killing but I also know we were trying to keep these people from murdering the mutants on that hill. So I shot away at the miscreants out there with my ass blast shotgun. Well, it seemed to go well for about half a minute, but our opposition knew what they were doing and changed their formation right quick. That other super hunter also turned in on Mickey, who got blasted out of our line of sight in a flurry of missiles. We withdrew right quick at that point, hoping to avoid fighting them with their foxholes nearby. Whoever was there was real disciplined, though, because uh, they did not pursue. Instead, a couple of those flying titans dove in on us. Well, Smiley was ready for that, and he wasted one in seconds with his own railgun. Chit had somehow managed to blow one up with one of her grenade launcher shots. I, I mean, that was incredible. and must have been blessed by the gods or something. That was enough to really get that group's attention, and they decided to get rid of us. Before they had to deal with the mutants, so they came at us. Now, I'm not a tactical genius like Smiley is, but I know my own magic. So I put down a great web of magical energy that entangled about half of our enemies. And that was all Smiley and Chinnitz really needed to really confuse them with the crazed charge with grenades and vibro weapons. And quick flex with carrying two vibro swords, is a scary thing. The same goes for a crackle with a roarin' chainsword. sword. The rest of us shot him. Pew pew. About then Mickey got another shot off on that first super hunter, and it blew up real good. The second now, without any infantry to support, decided to book it, I think. Mickey was hurt real bad, but he wasn't gonna die that day. Shinnis is also bleeding. We had to win this battle, Cole. I mean it was rough. So I spent almost all of what I had left in my tank to put the team in full health. We were going to flank around to the north, Smiley said, because that was going to be the hardest place to reach. According to Samantha on the comms, the mutants had been hit a bunch. They had a bunch of dead and wounded, but she noticed the attackers kept hitting them with barrages of mini-missiles. Now I knew they had a pretty heavy cover up there, so Smiley said the mutants could hold out. See. The mini-missiles are scary, but if you got some good protection, you were mostly okay. He told her they were trying to flush her people out. He also told her to focus any fire she had on the flying titans. I think there were two of them left. We mounted George again and ran around hard to the other side of the hill, hoping we didn't get so close would be we noticed. Well, we almost made it and ended up attacking on the northeast northwest side. Sorry. Turned out the attackers didn't have any reserves, so their western infantry attacked us. We scrambled back for a ravine and fought back. Samantha said the missile fire had stopped, and Smiley said that probably wasn't such a good thing for us in the ravine. He told Samantha we were going to be their next targets, and the ravine wasn't near as good against missiles as solid fortifications are. Well, goddess knows Samantha could have kept her people safest within her hardened hillfort. But something about the fighting together must have moved her, because she rallied the mutants into an organized assault down the west hill, crushing the foot soldiers there. When it looked like the mini-missile launchers would hit us with a barrage, her dog boys leapt onto the backs of the launchers and shredded them with vibro weaponry About that time, I think, Fraxinia's fairies had made into the battle and completely confounded the attackers on the northeast side of the hill. It wasn't long before the rest routed. The aftermath was awful, though. 31 mutants died, and 20 more were badly wounded. The fairies and I healed them up, but the village was wrecked. The battle had started a forest fire, of course, so we had to be careful just moving around. Well, the only thing we could do was move the mutants to Aiken while we figured out the next steps. It turned out the mercs were really coalition soldiers in disguise. It didn't take too many questions from a Psyx alien, Sarah, to unnerve him into telling us Samantha's old commander had arranged a secret attack and not told the CS what was going on. All this death because he didn't want his failures known to his own boss. Well, you'll be happy to know that Cinderella made it out okay. We ended our work in Aiken and led another group of refugees out of another wrecked village created by hate and venality. Praise be to the Goddess for bringing these poor and confused souls to Castle Refuge.
0: Caliton, again my friend, you and your community outreach team have put forth a heroic effort in the name of the Tomorrow Legion's ideals. Every community outreach team, like Caliton's or the 438th in Rapid City, may be called upon to defend the defenseless and perhaps even lead them in mass battles. The dedication of the Legion to protecting those in need is a challenging reputation to live up to, but it is what the High Defender demands of us. Our allies in Laszlo view things from a different perspective, and sometimes view such events as moral grandstanding, but they too support the ideals in their own way. As always, my friends, stay safe, move surely, and look out for your fellow refugees. I, Beacon, will guide you to your new tomorrow. Speak to you again soon. Hello, this is Beacon. And today, we figured we'd jump into the deep end with our discussions, talking some history and advice for GMs and players when dealing with one of the most well-known images and riffs, the Glitter Boy. Unfortunately, Gray wasn't able to join us today, so I invited another guest to join in this discussion. Everyone, welcome Sean Roberson, the line developer of Savage Riffs. Sean, how you doing today?
2: Good, how you doing?
0: Oh, not too bad. Just trying to avoid the cold and uh, get back into uh, some podcasting. How about you?
2: Oh, you know, uh, busy, busy working on, we've got, uh, some feedback finishing up on Atlantis, getting some of the last art approved. So it's, it's, it's getting close to the end of the layout stage and, uh, getting some other, the ball rolling with some other stuff. So lots of Savage Rifts goodness to come for the fans. Um, and glad, glad to be back here. Glad to be back on the the podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too. COVID in 2020 kind of did a number on, on everybody, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, I'm sure everybody's happy to hear uh, any info you have on uh, Atlantis. Uh, any little scoops you can add before we jump in?
2: Um, well, the, the few people that I've, I've shown it to, I've passed it around in, 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 uh, with some Inner Circle people and um, a few people close to the, to the team. And uh, there's, uh, everybody's very positive about the uh, Tattooed Warrior and the Undead Slayer. Um, We're really happy with how stone magic has turned out Um, in general. I think that it's going to be a really great book. Um, One of the comments that I keep getting is that uh, this book is Atlantis and the Demon Seas. So it also covers uh, New Navy, Lemuria content, um, as well as Atlantis. And a lot of people are telling me they they are enjoying reading through the book because it's nice to see all of those factions in context with each other, um, as opposed to reading through separate Larger world books, which can be really nice to get into the details and get and get all that, but when you see them uh, all together in this uh, in this book, I think Palladium fans will also enjoy being able to see, um, you know, kind of at a, at a glance, um, a condensed version of how all these different factions interact with each other. And I think that's been that's been kind of fun to see uh, as well uh, personally as I was going through it.
0: That's pretty cool. It's, uh, if memory serves, it'll be interesting because it, I never saw anything about the new navy interacting with uh, Atlantis, but there was a lot of stuff in them supporting uh, Triax fighting the Broadkill and gargoyles.
2: There is a there is a lot of that, um, but yes, the new navy does not get along with <laughs> the Atlantean slavers or the uh, the Harun pirates or or, or the Nottiel or any of that. So it is it's kind of a. An interesting, the Atlantic, the North Atlantic Ocean especially is an interesting area to have the new Navy, the Nautil, the the, um, the the Atlanteans, uh, the Splugorth, the minions of Splugorth running around in, as well as true Atlanteans.
0: Okay, so uh, one cough for yes, two coughs for no, uh, Katani's uh, Centaur powered armor. The Serpent power armor? Or the Serpent. <laughs>
2: The serpent is coming.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> no dra- No dragon juggernaut, though.
2: Uh, no, no dragon juggernaut. We went with. Uh, I went with. I guess I should say um, the most common. The most common power suits, and because of the scope of the book, you've got the big hitters for and the most common items uh, or vehicles or power armor for all of the major factions. But uh, we couldn't with this one tome finish off all of the other less common variants of a lot of different vehicles or armor for all the faction.
0: Yeah, plus you need, you need something for down the
2: road, right? <laughs> true, 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 true. That's always nice to keep in mind, but I think the players will be very happy with what's in this book. We have a lot, we really focused on the, um, the player focused uh, or the player facing options. So while the, um, The Splagorth or the Lemurians or some of the other factions, you may not see some of their more esoteric uh, things. That's something that's easy to introduce in an adventure adventure module, though. Um, But the players will have a lot of material that they can use uh, out the box. And so there's at least, I think at least, actually when I was talking to some other uh, people, they said they actually think it's more... Um, vehicles than is in the original Tomorrow Legion players guide. There's a lot of weapons, a lot of vehicles, a lot of things that uh, for use in underwater campaigns, uh, as surface campaigns, all types of campaigns. So I think this book is going to have a lot of goodies for the players.
0: Awesome, and I guess uh, so. Psychic dolphins or psychic killer whales? <laughs>
2: No, 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 less, less psychic dolphins and psychic killer whales, uh, more focused on the, uh, the, the major factions uh, under seas. Awesome.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And I'm sure uh, people listening will, uh, love to hear more. Um, I know you can't throw out a Kickstarter date. I know Peg doesn't do that. Um, Another question, though, uh, there was some talk about some shorter documents like uh, the CS and or maybe a future like Castle Refuge supplement. Any comment on those?
2: Um, I don't want to talk too much about exactly what we've got coming up uh, in in the cycle. We're still making some decisions on exactly what we're going to be doing. Um, but we do have uh, I think people will be really happy with what is in the works. Um, I can I can confirm that the next major book is going to be South America the land of a thousand islands
0: awesome well there you go folks uh, for your listening ears but hey let's uh, let's go ahead and turn back because today we're actually going to be focusing uh, just looking at some discussions on the uh, f- different forums and Facebook and such uh, a lot of people uh, discussing riffs there's a lot of new people in, in and the glitter boy, consistently is one of those things that gets talked about a whole lot, uh, online. Absolutely. And yeah, so I mean,
2: it's, it's kind of, kind of one of those legendary, legendary ideas and concepts. And myths.
0: Yeah, actually. I mean, when I first bought the, that, you know, the book, I had started out with uh, Robotech under palladium and seeing the ads with the glitter boy on it, for whatever reason that the Kevin Long's drawing was just amazing. Yeah. Absolutely, his art's always awesome. Well, and what's really interesting is when you look at the uh, Riffs Ultimate Edition for just some kind of like big picture background stuff. The Glitter Boy was actually the catalyst for designing the entirety of Riffs. Uh, that's kind of in a uh, note there in the Ultimate Edition. Have you talked to Kevin at all about that?
2: Um, a little bit. We we have um, a bit. Uh, so one of the interesting things is that uh, as you know, a lot of the fans that have seen the ultimate edition and, and, and heard some other things uh, will know is that the, that riffs was almost called boomers and glitter boys were almost called boomers. Um, and so the, the game was almost named after the glitter boys themselves. So it kind of started with the, the, the trope of the wandering sort of Ronin uh, hero or, 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 you know, Western gunslinger roaming the, uh, roaming the wasteland, riding wrongs. Um, but no, I think Glitter Boys are one of the great things about riffs, and it's it's one of those interesting. I, I really love to see how Glitter Boy would be depicted in a movie or a high budget TV series. Amen. <laughs> um, personally, I have a lot of interest in them as well. Um, so yeah, I, Kevin and I talked about them a little bit, and uh, there's there's a lot of I think there's a lot of things that you could do with them um, in in a storyline. <sighs>
0: Yeah, uh, completely agree. It's uh, I also uh, played a lot of BattleTech uh, early in the days, and the Glitter Boys. So did I. So
2: did I. Yeah,
0: a lot like the uh, Mech Houses back in like the thirty twenty five age.
2: Right, right. Where you would have the different uh, they they inherit their their battle mechs from from their their family. Um, yeah, and the, the Glitter Boys very much that same way that a lot of the heroes inherit it from either someone in their family or they, they, they become the squire or, or the, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the, the the previous glitter boy pilot chooses them as the next, the next generation, the next champion to pilot that suit. So it was, it leads to an interesting concept of, you know, the glitter boy suit itself almost might be more famous than the pilot
0: yeah it's like that just seeing that you know you get out of it
2: later and they're like
0: who are you again but when you're in the suit you kind of have this uh, mystique about you
2: right you take on this 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 greater heroic um, you know the, the, this role right you take, you're, you're now piloting that suit you are I mean it, it reminds me a little bit of Pacific Rim where they have the different pilots in, in the Jaegers right and so they They become this this massive combat robot, well, in the same way, a glitter boy pilot once that faceplate clamps down a lot of a lot of people just see the glitter boy itself,
0: yeah. So, and actually that kind of leads into some of the background a little bit too. Um, like even when you open up the very first riffs book, like literally, or especially the ultimate edition, you get Aaron Tarn talking about the time before the riffs. And one of the very first things it talks about is the story of the attack on, uh, Guatemala, where 12 glitter boys take on like a platoon of tanks, 1200 soldiers, and pl- pretty much wipes all of them out, kills 20, 20- 24,000 townspeople and only one glitter boy dies in, in that fight. Right. That, you know, it's just that story in and of itself. In the very beginning, when you're first reading just palladium riffs, it was like, wow, the power of this thing. I, I do find it interesting though, that, you know, the glitter boy throughout their, you know, the mythology of riffs become more of a savior as opposed to like a harbinger of destruction.
2: Yeah. And that is one of the interesting things in that story as well, is that the Glitter boys tied up in that, that event, the, the, you know, the series of events that end up sparking the apocalypse or the, the great cataclysm. But in, in some ways they were, they were there trying to keep things from escalating into a nuclear war by stopping an invasion. But yeah, it's uh and then, and then of course, once the apocalypse happens, there a lot of glitter boy pilots. The glitter boy suits are so so tough, so nearly indestructible compared to a lot of the other um, vehicles and power armor robot vehicles. That they're the they some they're the last the last vestiges of humanity wandering the wasteland for centuries, trying to defend humankind.
0: What's really cool about that is uh, later on in the secrets of the Atlanteans, there's a blurb in their story from the uh, the Araman clan. Um, that they apparently had an agent in that unit in Guatemala, and his he was intending on stealing a glitter boy through a rift to give it to the clan so they could add it to their arsenal because they were like, This is the one thing from this planet that literally is more powerful than anything else we've seen. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> they're the consummate villains, aren't they? The Ironman clan.
0: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the villains, but it, and it, it's funny because when you, when you start looking at all the little uh, ties that Palladium put in for the coming of the apocalypse with that event and certain rift generators going at doing experiments at the same time and then the planetary alignment go figure. <laughs> right. Cool. Well, of course, when talking about the apocalypse and the, the, you know, the Glitter Boy, uh, of course, uh, uh, Aaron Tarn goes on to talk about the Glitter Boys and the Neiman. Of course, we all know as observers that the Neiman, you know, this mythical giant, you know, powerful race is really just members of a North American uh, coalition that is the North American Eagle Military Alliance between the U.S., Canada and Mexico. Correct. And so the Glitter Boys, what uh, they're actually called the Chromium Guardsmen, were just part of all of the North American defenses trying to just defend humanity through the coming of the rifts.
2: Yeah, and that's that's um, an interesting thing when you look at it. The, both the Samus and the Glitter Boy were the cutting-edge power, power armor suits available to NEMA, and both end up finding their way into... The long-term the long-term lore and, and and long-term events after the apocalypse as well
0: yeah it's uh, I do when they introduce the uh, the silver eagle in Chaos earth where it's like oh it's a samus but it's got chromium armor wow that's kind of cool
2: yeah it's pretty dang cool <laughs> and then later on the Republicans come in with the golden Eagle
0: yeah, exactly, and it's it, it is interesting when you look through a lot of uh, the weapon systems. the The only ones that are generally the variable frequency to deal with the laser resistant armor are generally like man portable weapons. You would think for something that powerful, they'd be like tank guns.
2: You'd think, um, and that's one of those those things that I've always I've always been curious about. It's interesting what weapons, um, how how often large laser weapons are featured, how often they aren't. Um, and that the variable frequency is usually on, on man, portable units.
0: Yeah. So once we get into the kind of the, the dark ages and the time, you know, time of rifts all the way building up to, to 100 PA. Um, so, you know, of course the Glitter Boy, kind of like we're talking about very much like the Cyber Knights, it is interesting, much like Battletech that, as after the first riffs book come out, of course we start actually seeing glitter boys in a lot of different places, like in free Quebec, you know, in the very beginning they've got some glitter boys, but we find out over time they've actually got the ability to produce them. And actually the use of the glitter boys, one of the grievances that actually leads to the coalition, them leaving the coalition and the coalition declaring war on them.
2: Yeah. And that's a really interesting event, right? Because they refuse to use the dog boys, the, the, in the Rift's lore, Free Quebec, the denizens of Free Quebec are taking an even harder line against uh, non humans. And so they don't even like using um, the Psy Stalkers or the Dog Boys or mutants within their ranks. And uh, mutant humans uh, like psychics. Uh, um, and so that's that's one of those things that they're really hardline about. And then the other thing is, is they don't want to give up their uh, Glitter Boys. And little does the emperor know that that they've actually been building up quite a reserve, an entire legion of glitter boy uh, armor suits.
0: Oh yeah, and definitely as a fan of the glitter boy, seeing—I mean—opening up that world book and being like, "Oh, what's what goodies are we going to have here?" Uh, was pretty good to see. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and it's 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 a bit different, right? um, They also work with Triax; they share that technology with Triax, which uh, you know. To this, sh- much to the chagrin of the coalition states, um, they're able to work with Triax, develop a more easily uh, a, a, a version of Clear Boy that's easier to produce and has some 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 extra close close range defensive weaponry um, like a vibro sword and um, and laser and some mini missiles. So that's a the T five fifty Cyclops Clear Boy is also an interesting entry in that in that book and in the lore um, that uh, I thought was really fascinating. And I wanted to make sure that, uh, we, we brought that over into riffs for savage world. So it's, uh, featured in the empires of humanity book that I worked on and on the cover, you can see, uh, a hundred and fifty as well as a USA G 10 glitter boy, um, fighting alongside the coalition troops against an army of demons.
0: So on, on kind of a segue, uh, what were some of the, uh, tweaks that you went through in converting making going from the Savage Rifts G G ten to the T550
2: Um so there was a couple of things. One of the big things is of course that um, the the T550 doesn't have quite the armor protection that the USA G10 does. So it sacrifices some armor protection in order to gain some other weapon systems. The the boom gun is a is not quite um, um, as powerful as the RG14 on the original Boy, Glirpo- but just just slightly behind it in destructive power, and it still tops almost all railguns. Uh, but the nice thing is, is that uh, the 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 pilot can fire that without using his hands. So there are some there are some interesting differences there. Um, but when I I was writing that up, I wanted to make sure that mm-hmm. it 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 kept the original flavor from. Um, the Palladium Rift supplements um, and also offered a unique choice. It's not that the one Glitter Boy um, is better than the other, that both of them could be an option for someone who wanted to play a, you know, a a pilot that was, you know, piloting a Glitter Boy. Um, In my mind, I can see, I've heard of people allowing their players to play a Glitter Boy pilot and they're running, um, the T five fifty, and I, I I, personally have no problem with that. Um, but uh, in general, you know, the the T five fifties could be could be run by someone who's just a a power armor ace, right? They don't necessarily need to be the Glitter Boy framework. And the Glitter Boy framework is a little bit more about that um, the being a part of that that legendary Glitter Boy Brotherhood and, um, and 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 being part of that legacy, right? Whether it's a male or a female pilot, uh, all are welcome. But uh, that that sort of fraternity, that sort of legacy of warriors that have been that have all lived through centuries of of apocalyptic uh, strife, um, I think that's a, a really really intriguing path uh, to go down um, as as a as a role player and um, as a game master too. It can be a lot of fun uh, to to to, to uh, have a glitter boy player in your party as well if you. Uh, it, it can be tricky for some, but but it, it, I think that if you do it, if you uh, you do it right, you give it some thought and some effort, then it can be a very rewarding experience for everyone.
0: Hmm, that's cool, yeah. And then the other interesting thing when it comes to Triax, uh, of course, the Triax two book does lead to a couple other uh, Glitter Boy variants: the Fat Boy and the Hell Angel Flying Glitter Boy. Uh, hopefully, maybe someday once we get over to Europe, we'll maybe even see those.
2: Maybe so. I mean, I'm, uh, I don't know. This is, uh, (laughs) and I kind of just took this from, you know, the the original design team and and a lot of discussion was that, oh, there's only ever going to be, you know, the one glitter boy. I think the T-550, because of how widely it's produced um, in the the lore and the important um, link that it represents between Free Quebec and the, the New German Republic, as well as the ability for Free Quebec to produce more glitter boys. I mean, part of their agreement with, with the new German Republic, with triax, uh, you know, the major corporation and the new German Republic, uh, was that they would turn over their limited, uh, resources to, um, to be, to study by triax and triax would in exchange give them a production facility for the T550. So that was, in my opinion, that was, it was really important to include, uh, that glitter boy variant into, um, in, in. You know, as something that's playable, um, at whether it's run by the game master or run by the players, right? Um, but at the same time, um, I'm I'm very, <laughs> I, I want to be very careful in the future. I'm not sure how many how many more Glitterboy variants uh, we would introduce, just because with um, the Rifts for Sav- now anything's possible in the long run, right? But with Rifts for Savage Worlds, a lot of times we're covering a lot of material, you know, hundreds, thousands, maybe sometimes pages of material in one of our, in one of our world books, or I, I guess, I don't know, if the, rep, the best word is a world book, right? Um, in one of our uh, large 192 page supplements. And so in those cases, a lot of times we, we focus on the real big hitters in an area. And that, that I think that that's less likely to, to be able to connect with some of those smaller glitter boys in a way that I think would be worthwhile uh, because you don't want to, I don't think you want to just throw a glitter boy on, on a page with no explanation, no background, no iconic framework, um, or special rules associated with it because then that gives short shrift to the, to the legacy of Twitter boys.
0: That's valid. It also gives a, uh, gives space for, uh, for homegrown, uh, stuff for people to play with. So
2: absolutely. And it's not, I mean, with Savage Worlds, um, that's one of the great things, and you, you, you can pull over one of those books and look at the Savage Worlds version and the Palladium version and very easily decide, okay, well, we already have a particle beam cannon, right, in the, set, the Risk for Savage Worlds, um, so if I wanted to do this version of the Glitter Boy that might have that particle beam cannon, like, say, one of the variants from Mutants in Orbit, well, that's, that's really not super hard to do, um, and I know that a lot of fans have done some conversions out there that are really awesome. Uh, So I I would definitely uh, tell anyone listening to to check those out as well.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the interesting things as we kind of go through a little bit of the Palladium versions of a lot of it. Like, uh, it's kind of interesting when they redid the... Uh, Rift Sourcebook 1, of course, originally they talked a lot about Archie. Well, they added a section in talking about a new faction called the Republicans, which you added into Empires of Humanity that literally were producing Glitter Boys underneath people's noses. But even Archie himself was dropping caches of Glitter Boys around for people to find.
2: Right, and that's one of the interesting things when you dig into the lore. Um, There are Glitter Boys that were, were part of the NEMA um faction um when the apocalypse came and they some of those suits survived some of them were parts now parts of nema um the especially the part run by uh the head of the cia who then created the republicans which is a i would say the kind of like you're saying the 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 Neimans, uh, a group of the Neimans on the East Coast in the Washington D.C. area, after having their main settlement wiped out, they went underground as a essentially a secret society, and that's what the Republicans are, right? So, they do produce a few suits of variants, uh, Glitter Boys or uh, Samus, the Golden the Golden Eagle Samus, um, and at the same time, there might be other Neiman uh, remnants throughout North America or just survivors, and there's also caches the, in, in the war that heroes can find. Caches of glitter boys sealed up in a bunker. Right? Um, you could have Archie or the Republicans, or uh, you know, maybe even another one of those shadowy Neiman groups dropping glitter boys that they may have. They may have produced or they may still have their their hands on or the location of a of a cachet um, For other heroes to pick up and so some of that that is also really important to the republicans are important to the lore of the coalition as well as uh, Quebec and free Quebec and so that's how they both of those factions produced uh, Fortress arcologies, these big massive fortress cities Um, they were they were leaked those plans and a lot of that information um, as well as the coalition, for instance, um, with their Samus and Enforcer uh, power armor and robots, and then with uh, Free Quebec with their with their Boy, um production facilities, even.
0: Yeah, actually, I thought the Republicans were a pretty good add to just the the background overall. Um,
2: oh right, yeah, absolutely. They make they make uh, they they they're grateful to Archie. It's a great to see what, how the legacy of, 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 of North America, of, of United States society kind of peered out and turned into something weird, right, with the Republicans. And then uh, it's, it's interesting to see how they also interacted with Archie and the lore. And if anyone's interested in that, um, check out Empires of Humanity. Um, I wrote the plot one campaign in there, and it, it deals with all those, those different uh, plot threads.
0: Yeah, that's that's got some pretty good twists in it. Personally, for my own headcanon, the two individuals that came to Castle Refuge and invested a whole lot of money in their bank, uh, in my mind are probably Republicans.
2: <laughs> possibly so, possibly so.
0: Um, so you kind of talked about uh other like having suits that just kind of are there but not really being tied into the story. Now this is uh you know the books are what they are, but uh, so in the uh, Japanese world book and also in South America too. I would say those kind of locations, the glitter boy just kind of show up and they are they're there, but they're not really fully integral to those areas. They're just like, hey, we're going to introduce glitter boys in these areas. Uh, that was kind of my take right. on it.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to see. I think it's fun to see the Glitter Boys popping up um, in different areas and see what maybe um, a, a different a different uh, military how they might have produced a, a variant of the Glitter Boy. And I think that can be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, again, I think the, the the best way to have a, a Glitter Boy in your campaign is again to have them be part of that legacy and that uh, that fraternity uh, of of the different Glitter Boy pilots and warriors who all work together for um for the common good and to right wrongs and bring bring justice to the wasteland
0: yeah agreed i mean in in my in my games normally like so that the two glitter boys that were introduced like in the japanese world book were a smaller scout and an anti-aircraft variant in just in right. my in my head canon those are instead of the they're they're part of the neiman as well just more rare um in fact in mm-hmm. In my Thursday game, uh, one of my uh, female players, she actually wanted to, she's playing a Native American uh, out of Rapid City, um, Lakota tribe, but she wanted to play a Glitter Girl, which was, in my mind, kind of uh, Free Quebec, so I went ahead and kind of tweaked something as kind of the the anti-aircraft, kind of smaller scout variant for her to play.
2: That's cool, and I like that. Um, and and with the, with the lore of some of the uh the preserves the, the different uh, native preserves there's an interesting idea there too right we know that they can produce a lot of times samus um who's to say maybe they can't produce glitter boys but who's to say they don't have uh, glitter boys or some of their variants uh locked away in in some bunker or ready to be found by by someone um uh, in that in that region, or or in in the preserves themselves. So I think that's a that's a strong character concept. I think that sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's been a fun arc. Actually, she uh, we're kind of talking. She may I've given her the option to rebuild her character in more of a uh, kind of like a more shamanistic. You know, kind of like a tran- she's going through a transition, a return to faith kind of thing. So it uh, mm. might be an interesting story curve.
2: Yeah. But, well, and I think that that's one of the things that you can, you know, that a glitter boy player, and we've talked about this a little bit before the show, um, but uh, that uh, someone who's playing a glitter boy pilot, they need to be able to function outside of the suit as well, right? You want to, especially with Savage Worlds, there's so many different types of um, scenes that you could have in the adventuring toolkit. There's so it's so much deeper than just a, a combat game. If if the game master and the players want to to, to delve into, um the heroic stories of the different, the different, uh, tomorrow Legionnaires. And so I think that that's one of those things that definitely it's worth expanding your hero's abilities outside of just, I'm a really great shot with my glitter boy, right? (laughs) Which is kind of like the, the, it sounds like the default, but I think that, that, uh, glitter boy pilot characters can be extremely interesting, um, on a role playing stance as well.
0: Amen. And actually, that's a really good segue kind of into the next segment that we're going to talk about. We're going to just kind of start out and work some uh, Glitter Boy player advice. because So the Glitter Boy is an iconic framework is really kind of interesting because for the most part, most of the abilities and limitations of the framework are actually t- tied to the equipment of the suit itself. So, you know, it's kind of hard to take a character that and you basically have to maximize the use of that equipment.
2: I mean that's the temptation, right? But I would say that um, glitter boy's are pretty tough. They're pretty strong, so I think that in some ways, um, uh, someone who's building a, boy, a glitter boy um, character, they have the opportunity to to have a little more fun than they, especially even early on, than they might with um, maybe another framework that they need to in a, in a really a high powered combat. Um, Campaign or something like that, they would really need to focus and hone in their combat skills just to make sure they survive. Well, with the Glitterboy pilot, you've got a little bit more leeway there to to, to take an edge or a couple of skills, use an advance on, on on something that's a, that's a little more um, maybe a, just a little more more interesting um, and not just built to to maximize combat prowess in one in that one specific way.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And I agree with you. And so tonight kind of going through and prepping for the show, look kind of looked at the character and there's kind of uh, having some like primary ways to focus your character and some secondary ways to focus your character. So some of the primary ways you could call sticks, paths, whatever you want. So one would probably be like the tank or you could call them the guardsman. The other one could be more of a sniper focus, or you could call them the boomer, for example, focusing more on the boom gun. Right. I like those. <laughs> and so, you know, kind of some some suggestions and looking on how to build them out. So your guardsman, your tank, probably is going to focus more on armor soaking damage. So they're probably going to need a high vigor. Um, maybe focus on some cybernetics like armor plating and reinforced frames because those stack with powered armor.
2: I think that's uh, that's a strong that's a strong path to go along. Um, if you get a, a glitter boy. Um, pilot that has a high vigor and also has a decent number of of, uh, bennies available for soaking. Um, They can be really hard to take out. They can be really hard to take out. I've seen a Glitter Boy, I think it was a seasoned Glitter Boy, um, take out two Spider Skullwalkers, one right after the other, while also fighting a uh, Mark V APC. Wow. That's awesome. And that was... Now he had a lot of backup, so I mean, <laughs> at the time I wasn't running the campaign. I later over later on took over running that campaign. But at the time I was playing um, a techno wizard, kind of a Tony Stark type techno wizard in a, and then we had you know uh, a bunch of other heroes, uh, crazy a juicer, uh, a rogue scholar. But while the rest of us handled, you know, t- I think it was like twenty plus skelebots and. Uh, Coalition troops, including some special forces, Psy Stalker, Mind Melter, um, all that type of stuff. The Glitter Boy held his own, and um, and that was a that was a, and that was a really great combat design, right? Where everyone had something to do and something to accomplish and something to, cha- something to challenge something them. And when we each of us succeeded at the different pieces of that battle that uh, that we were we were focused on, it was very rewarding for all the players.
0: That's awesome. And yeah, uh, after the player section, we'll discuss some, uh, some GM suggestions as well to kind of work through. Cause that does tend to be one of the bigger questions is like, how do I actually balance encounters with a glitter boy? Um, for your sniper, of course, for the boomer, you're probably going to focus on maximizing your boom gun as much as you can. So of course a high shooting skill and the agility to go along with that. Um, some cybernetics to take would probably be range data systems and targeting eyes now we were talking earlier range data system does that overlap with the uh, the STS system and the powered armor
2: so the sensor targeting suite the STS on the power armor um, those are those are those are both equipment bonuses um, so you couldn't use the equipment bonuses to uh, to basically, they can't stack since they're both uh, coming from the, uh, an equipment source. So no, th- that would probably be one of those cases where a targeting eye might be good, but the ranged, uh, the ranged um, system is, it, it could, could, could have a little bit of uh, redundancy there. That's not always a bad thing
0: okay and uh so with like at least in my my mind for this kind of build you might want to also look at marksman and like sharpshooting and trick shooting uh for some of those things now would the sharpshooting bonuses and the uh the uh sts bonuses would those overlap
2: yes so um and if if you go into the the q a um we've tried to i tried to help make that clear but yeah the when you've got something that you know, ab- abilities or bonuses that are coming from an edge, as opposed to like a piece of targeting equipment um, that that's, that, those are different, right? They, so they, they definitely, you definitely can stack up um, their effects.
0: Cool. And, yeah. With those combinations, can you, you know, so boom gun, of course, rate of fire one, but with multiple actions, you can fire the boom gun three times around. So with trick shooting, imagine only getting a minus two to all three of those shots.
2: Oh yes, you could have it. Correct, 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 correct.
0: It's just not completely getting
2: rid of it, which would be nasty. You could completely get rid of it, right?
0: Especially when it's balanced out by the STS and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, cool. And some other things and think and thinking about this build would possibly be taking some other edges like that would increase your armor piercing, so you could focus on large threats like dragons or you know like a combat mecha or spider skull walkers.
2: Right, and that's the thing is about the glitter boy is that most of its opponents are a lot bigger than it. (laughs) So if they can hit, if they can hit as hard as a glitter boy, they're usually quite a a bit larger targets, which is also another advantage to keep in mind, um, is that scale, that scale bonus that a glitter boy is often going to have when combating larger targets. So if you combine that with, um, you know, sharpshooting for getting rid of of enemy cover and trick shooting for reducing multi-action penalties, and then you've got the bonus from the fact that the enemy is um, a a scale larger than you, that's a plus two. Well, now you have no penalties.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's a a pretty pretty significant uh, shooter. And then, of course, you just take the straight raw damage of the boom gun into account. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the straight roll damage of the boom gun is mean. It is.
0: So, uh, you kind of talked earlier, though, with, with all the power of the Glitter Boy starting out, it, it does leave you some room to start freeing up to do some other things. Um, so, you know, a kind of we talked about uh, laid out some potential like secondary builds that you could look into, um, like the Glitter Boy being the legendary Defender of the Week. You know, you might want to possibly look at a high persuasion, a higher occult skill, uh, maybe some investigation to kind of focus on dealing with those demon waves and and getting people on your side.
2: Absolutely, I think another fun one, especially if you're building the you know the Guardsman type that you talked about, where you've got. The high high vigor and the high toughness. Um, that's a great time to take some taunt and the provoke provoke edge, right? To get enemies uh, focused on your character instead of others. So to 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 to, to draw the fire, draw an aggro. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, uh, another secondary build, which kind of fits in with the uh, the boomer, uh, one of my players is really into using electronics. So using like, uh, uh, you know, because you can use anything for support and test. So he uses electronics to test people a whole lot uh, and also to support people in combat. And since the, the Glitter Boy, especially the shooter, is going to be anchored a whole lot, that might be a good way to support others
2: around you. I agree. Um, I've, you know, I've seen my butt campaign I was talking about um, earlier that uh, he made good use of his piloting and electronic skills in different situations to test opponents or to support allies, um, and that was that was a, a really great way for him to be able to use those skills in while he was inside his glitter boy suit, uh, be able to use them in, in all types of different scenarios.
0: Yeah, I've even, uh, with with my player, I've actually, because he's so invested in that, I've actually made some uh, homebrew uh, edges that kind of take the, uh, some of the social ones like taunts that require taunt and just relabeled them into pretty much the same edge, but using electronics instead.
2: Oh, interesting. That's cool. All
0: right. And then a, a really, so... One that I kind of think is a kind of a cool build, but you know, a lot of people don't play this way is the commander, you know, basically building on that whole legendary status and leading people in, into combat.
2: Right. I think that can be a really strong build. Um, you see a little bit of it with the um, glitter boy archetype that we have in the, um, the suede rifts archetype set. Um, but uh, also my, uh, my friend in that campaign, he uh, he also he also started to pick up leadership edges because he noticed that as we were role playing, a lot of times, whether they were peasants or commoners or you know anyone that was trying to, whenever the chips were down and and the hero, you know, the little boy hero was calling in was calling in help from uh, the locals or from anybody that could respond, he he kind of had uh, this. He you know he kept being put in that position where he was leading a ragtag group of freedom fighters against against whatever the the the, the threat was at the time and so I think that's another thing that as you play your character it might you know so you might say oh well this build or that build looks better on paper but when you start role playing through a campaign and the themes that are happening in the campaign can often um, lead I'd say stay flexible stay loose right and you might also uh, often be able to to pick up on some really great themes within a campaign and build a very memorable, uh, hero.
0: Yeah. It's like, uh, with that, of course, uh, even within the glitter boy frameworks, uh, hero journeys, I think it's education has the commander and the battle skill and battles. And I mean, right. especially when you get into like mass battle, the mass battle subsets, uh, sub rules, that's a really important skill for people to have. And it's just natural for the glitter boy to have it.
2: Absolutely, and it's it's funny because you think, well, a glitter boy, wouldn't they be better off charging out front? Well, maybe not, ma'am. Who 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 would take command of? the 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 rebel army or the, the you know the, the the um the plucky freedom fighters a lot of times in the story that's going to be the glitter boy um because of or, or the cyber Knight, for instance you know because of their they're so famous for for uh for for leadership and so i would say that uh, in a mass battle a lot of times that can be a very rewarding uh tack to take
0: yeah, in fact, I as a game master, I probably would ap- allow them to apply the heroic legacy bonus to the that battle roll just because of that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's
2: a that's a that would be a cool move
0: for sure. Uh, another kind of weird approach, if you will, for glitter boys actually to t- have the glitter boy take a arcane background. Now, mind you, glitter boy is a powered armor suit, so there are those limitations for psionics. Um, in, uh, listed in the powered armor section, um, actual magic base doesn't really work because of the negatives to arcane, those arcane backgrounds.
2: Right, right. Those are some pretty significant negatives.
0: Now, mind you, of course, psionics does have some negatives and you probably want to focus on powers that just enhance your character because any, anything going outside the powered armor is probably going to have a steeper negative.
2: Yeah, depending on on whether or not, for instance, you've got uh, one of the big things to note with a um, character wielding psionics is whether or not their their helmet's faceplate is open. If the if the power suit if the power armor has a faceplate like the Glitter Boy does, um, and so in that case, uh, you know that that could, that penalty can be can be reduced, right? Um, But uh, and and of course, it's also those powers don't go away if you leave the suit, if you leave the the power suit.
0: Yeah. Uh, One other interesting one, uh, which tended to be a pretty big conversation during the development was uh, the inclusion of the weird science arcane background. And that one actually is kind of interesting. It will work with the Glitter Boy, but it doesn't have access to any of the mega power modifiers.
2: Right, so that's one of the things to remember with the weird science um, when when we did the, advent, the Adventure Edition, the Suede Edition of Rifts for Savage Worlds uh, we wanted to support all of the, the arcane backgrounds um, now Gifted is one that um, we wanted to be very careful with, we wanted to support it and talk about it in the Tomorrow Legend Players Guide, but we did restrict it to only uh, being usable by frameworks that specifically list that, because it's not something that you see a lot in um, the traditional riffs lore, um, and then the other thing is that uh, with the weird science, we wrote it up um, to to very specifically call out that it's it's uh, about super science and tech t- technological tinkering, and so that is available, but um, it is it isn't it doesn't have the longevity or the deep path that say a techno wizard does with with their with their um, very equivalent uh, type of abilities um, or much more powerful abilities. And so I think that that's something to keep in mind. It can be fun to, to play around with. It can be an interesting option for um, heroes that maybe normally wouldn't get to, to have the uh, versatility of using Arcane Background. But you just have to remember that it doesn't have the deep advancement path that uh, that those other ones do, which because they're, the other... The other arcane backgrounds like psionics, magic, whether that's uh, that's that's mysticism or um, or arcane uh, magic, that uh, those have a lot deeper path because that's that's I mean that's part of the, that's a huge part of the, the Rift setting,
0: right? And. Uh, w- Uh, here in a minute we're going to get into a kind of a comparison of a couple Glitter Boy characters that we both made um, and you may see some of this Uh, one other part to the weird kind of aspect though would be taking certain edges like arcane protection Um, uh, you know it's even though you wouldn't be able to use the miracles but uh, going champion as having that increase your toughness and stuff like that those would be some weird possible ways to go but they could also kind of shore up some of the Glitter Boy's weaknesses, which ends up being magic and psionics. Absolutely. So, uh, like I just mentioned, uh, one of the things I've seen in some other places is kind of doing a a character build-off. So, Sean and I have both brought a... uh, a seasoned one Glitter Boy character uh, to kind of present to you all just to kind of show a couple different builds for how you could build a Glitter Boy uh, for your games. So Sean, you want to start out talking through uh, the character that you brought to the table?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I used a, uh, a random name generator and I liked it. Uh, We've got uh, Luke Austin on the table. So Luke Austin is a human Glitter Boy pilot that um, I went ahead and started him off with a couple of hindrances. One is heroic, and the other one is that he has a major secret. And then I took his uh, two of his points from his hindrances and used them to um, give him an agility of D8, and the rest of his, his attributes are all at D6. And I would mention that because I think that's a pretty important thing to consider when you're building a Glitter Boy character is not to shortchange them in a lot of the categories because they're going to be targeted by all kinds of tests or powers. And I think that, uh, that ignoring, well, ignoring vigor is, is a path to, uh, to to much sadness and early death because a a, a d4 vigor a 6 vigor will last you a little while but a d4 vigor you're not gonna be able to make those soak rolls uh, when you do finally get hit by a a worthy opponent um a d6 smarts is and a d6 spirit are good to resist different types of tests and skills and powers um and then uh i went ahead and got him the uh with with his hero's journey um now since we were building it i chose these um, he has Elon and Luck, so um, that means that he'll be running around with four bennies at the start of a session. And if he ever uh, spins a benny to reroll a trait roll, he'll get a plus two. So that can come in clutch if you need to get, if that one big shot with the boom gun needs to hit. Or, um, if you roll to soak something and then you have to re-roll that trait roll, um, that can be really important as well and add to his survivability. But I really like the flexibility of Elon and Luck. And then he has uh, Provoke, and he has Sweep. So he has a D6 and Taunt, so you can use that to taunt your opponents. Um, and he has Sweep, Frenzy, and Counterattack. So it's a, it's a glitter boy that if you get too close to him, uh, he'll hit you with a counterattack every time you miss an attack roll. Um, he has, does have a high fighting skill, and then when it's his turn, he's got frenzy and sweep, so he can he can dish a lot of attacks, and he can also hit or hit hit a lot of adjacent opponents. So a couple of different options with that hero. Um, you know, sweep and frenzy. Maybe it'd be better to swap out one of those for a trademark weapon and have a melee weapon. But since I didn't actually play this character, it, you know, uh, he does, I, I didn't actually. Have a specific large melee weapon that I wanted to to put that edge on, but I think that that's a a good way to build the character and advance him forward. Is to increase his agility to D ten, and then with the next advance, increase his fighting and his shooting up to D ten, um, and then like I said, go in for provoke and sweep. So that's that's a kind of a brawler glitter boy character that's also doing a little bit of that. Uh, Kind of that guardsman or guardian type of idea that you talked about where he's, um, you know, and he'd be using his, his uh, provoke and his taunt skill to, to drag in some of the, some of the opponents to fight him.
0: That's awesome. So if you, if you were just to give him a weapon, what uh, melee weapon
2: would you give him? Oh man, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, I think that uh, for, for Savage Rifts, oh, that's tough. I think that, um, you know, one of the, uh, one of like the big impact, impact malls or the impact hammers would be really good. Um, but, uh, you know, a vibra a giant vibro sword is also a, a great option, um, because the glitter boy is size three. And so, uh, they can wield that in one hand if they want to, and it gives them a lot of, uh, it gives them some reach and a lot of damage potential, but um, that's one of those things that's tough because uh, there's so many cool melee weapons and rifts. Um, which is one of the things I love about rifts is that you've got all the different type of of uh, weapons that are out there that a character could get their hands on.
0: <laughs> that's awesome! And uh, coming soon to a, a table near you, a glitter boy wielding a sword of Atlantis.
2: A sword Atlantis or a Katami plasma axe. I mean, there's a lot of things that are coming soon. That's true, oh. and uh, that's a that's a powerful sword Atlantis. That's a powerful weapon. Strength plus three d twelve and thirty six ap. Holy, wow! <laughs> yeah, so when that hits you, it's like getting hit by a heavy laser or a boom gun. Yeah, nice. Almost not quite a boom gun, but yeah, it's a pretty pretty heavy hit.
0: That's freaking amazing. Well, so, uh, uh, and I didn't mention it in the beginning. So we've got, uh, Luke Austin, uh, after when I post this, um, episode, uh, on Facebook, I'll actually post kind of a, uh, a question of, uh, a Luke or JP, uh, for any of the listeners to vote on and, uh, give us your vote on who do you, which character you, you are think is kind of cooler. Not that either one of us are any worse, but just kind of allow you folks to vote on what you think you like. All right, so uh, so uh, Sean went with the the kind of the gr- the guardsman build um, for my character. His name is JP Sims. I actually went with him as more of the boomer build. Um, so uh, I'll give you his background. Actually, uh, well, we'll get he basically uh, his uh, in building him. Of course, he's a glitter boy um, framework for his hindrances. I went with anemic, delusional, loyal, and vow. So and the delusion is minor. And it just so happens that he tells everybody that he grew up in an orbiting space station, fighting aliens in earth orbit and fell down to the planet. Uh, (laughs) and so everybody thinks he's kind of weird because everybody knows there's nothing up in space. Um, and thus why he's anemic because, well, he, he claims to have grown up in low gravity. So his body doesn't react to things as well on this planet. Um, With his framework, I went ahead and chose uh, Battle Edge Marksman, and uh, so I w- kind of went with the weird option, um, and so I gave him Arcane Background Weird Science, and we'll kind of go into that as, as I build him out. Uh, with his hindrances, I added an edge, and I raised an attribute. And so for his okay. attributes... He starts out with a D8 agility, a D8 smarts, a D6 in spirit. He starts out with a D6 in vigor and a D4 in strength. Once again, kind of leaning into that. uh, He's not from this planet and he's in his powered armor a lot.
2: And he's from lower gravity, right? So that makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, he's in his powered armor. So, you know, he, his powered armor provides him with his strength. Um, and then all of his skills kind of start out around a D6 or a D8. However, he's got um, higher skills in science repair and electronics and weird science for the weird science background. And the, uh, so in the edge, in the beginning, uh, buying out his skills... Um, I added Rich, uh, which gave him access to some cybernetics to kind of help with that. Uh, you know, he's not really a tough dude, so to help out in those ways, and then also basically
2: that's a smart choice. Yeah.
0: yeah, and the basically the storyline aspect is is his crash glitter boy suit. He turned over to the Tomorrow Legion um, because it seems to be more advanced than uh, than the ones they have.
2: Okay,
0: and then he takes. Okay. Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, it sounds like an interesting character already, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. So it's kind of a quirky character. The picture I have is um, uh, who's the guy that plays uh, uh, Citizen Z on uh, the sci-fi zombie world. He's also, he plays Garth in uh, Supernatural.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name.
0: But yeah, he's kind of the the, the thinner, kind of like uh, pasty looking guy. He's, he, I, I enjoy him as Garth in Supernatural. That's why I chose it. And then for advances, uh, basically we give him the new power's edge. So with, um, with the uh, weird science, basically the idea is he's from orbit. He knows some things about the Glitter Boy that most other people don't know. So he's made modifications to his suit that everybody's like, where is this coming from? So he takes deflection, which is called the laser point defense system, um, which is trapped to himself. Uh, he also takes the boom gun variable ammo system with stun for self. So basically, um, you know, the story, the trapping is, is he shoots the boom gun, but instead of doing damage, the round has been modified. So whoever it hits, it will stun them. Nice. Uh, and then for advances, he took uh, the next, he took new power's edge. He took uh, warrior's gift, which is the, Tactical threat assessment response system. So the Glitter Boys com, uh, basically uh, computer systems will analyze the threat and give him whatever additional edges he needs.
2: That's awesome. I like that. I like that a lot. I got I got I, w- I don't want to stop you in your write up, but I want to talk about that in a second.
0: <laughs> okay. Cool. And then the uh, the the other uh, power he took was damage field, which is the Flashette close in defense system. So basically, he uses the boom gun round and in. in in close range it basically shoots flushettes out to damage people. And then oh, very cool. And then basically increases agility, increases piloting and weird science roles. And then for a new edge of season he goes ahead and takes sharpshooting to start getting some of those uh bonuses for using the boom gun.
2: Yeah, and sharpshooting is one of those ones that's interesting, right? Because marksman sharpshooting, they work on that first shot. Um but until you get to, um, to the trick shooter, it, it can be tough because you don't, it only works on that very first shot. It's a strong, stronger early on. But as you maybe get higher and higher skills or bonuses that are stacking up, um, it can have diminishing returns for a glitter boy who's really bent on firing multiple times.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that would be uh, so. JP Sims will be the uh, the boomer glitter boy that I'll be submitting for y'all to determine. Uh, you said you had a couple of comments.
2: Yeah, I, I, I and I, by the way, I'll just say that I, I like your character write up better than mine. <laughs> so, um, so I'll throw that out there. I think that's a very, very fun, interesting character to play that is built where. Um, you know, uh, his, like his D4 strength and his anemic, I mean, that matches the fact that he crash landed. He grew up, um, in a zero gravity environment. That's a lot of fun. Um, one of the things that I did talk to Kevin about, um, I've mentioned it to a few people. Um, I have kind of the outlines and the plans for a, a Rifts novel and hopefully it'll come to pass someday. Um, but, uh, I, I did talk to him about that and one of the things that I mentioned is, the, the main character would be a Glitter boy pilot, um, an aspiring Glitter boy pilot, I should say. But his suit is an is an old suit from from right that was built right before uh, right before the Great Cataclysm, and so it actually has a a um, a, a high powered uh, computer on board with a virtual intelligence that kind of like uh, if you're if you're familiar with with Battle Tech and the um, the I I you could cut this if you want, but the bitching Betty.
0: Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and so the same kind of idea though I, I pitched it to Kevin. I was like, if I if I did write something like this, I don't I want to make sure I wasn't going to write chapters and chapters of or, or you know some some art for some power suit that that he was going to say, oh it doesn't really fit the lore. But Kevin liked the idea. He thought it was a fun idea to have have sort of like a kit on board computer that could talk to the hero. Um, so I really like that idea of of um. Of using using the the weird science edge, um, and arcane background to be able to to take combat edges as you need in the suit. That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of
0: fun. Yeah, actually, the uh, if I don't know if you've seen the um, uh, the Jaeger um, crap uh, Pacific Rim Black the cartoon on Netflix. Uh, the Jaeger in there actually has an AI kind of like that. Um,
2: oh, cool. Yeah,
0: and so my. No,
2: I didn't even know it was it was that was a thing. I did I've seen both of the movies, but I, I didn't realize there was a cartoon on on Netflix. I'll have to check it out.
0: Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I just finished it, um, but it's kind of interesting with my, my my female player doing the glitter girl. Um, if she had this, if she just decides to stay the glitter girl route, uh, one of the things I had introduced, which uh, would be allowing her to potentially take the sidekick edge. And actually, with all of the stats, not being a physical person, but being that AI inside the suit.
2: Oh, interesting! Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially, I and I can't remember. Is Glitter Girl does she does she actually or her, her her can uh, the cannons? Um, are those remote controls or do they, does she need to hold them? I
0: can't remember. Well, uh, the, so the, the official, how, like,
2: did, you, how did you write it? I should say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for, for, for my Savage Riffs, um, she's basically using a, uh, kind of like a, a, combined version of the Japanese, uh, Hawkeye and the point man. And so it, it, the right, weapons, right. the weapon systems like, she's got the laser and she's got some mini missiles. So she doesn't have a boom gun. Um, so those systems are still directly are controlled by her, but you know, having somebody else, a computer wake up and help her out is, is not a bad thing. For sure. Cool. Well, that is pretty much our player advice. Uh, Of course, the next big thing is for the game masters. I mean, as we've gone on, we've kind of commented about things we've done as game masters, but uh, one of the things I see in a lot of threads going on, I mean, the glitter boy is a very powerful combatant in your group. And, they can dominate combat and but kind of like Sean said earlier, kind of setting some things up so everybody kind of has something uh, beneficial to do. and there's a couple of ways uh, some things that the GM can do to kind of uh, make that possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, so this is and this is something that I would say also um, take a look at the uh, the suede version of the game Masters handbook for savage riffs um, because we also have uh, you know there's some great advice that was originally written and then I added um, some sections and tweaked some things uh, because that's one of the things that I've noticed that we we get time and again it's hard to deal with and it's and and that can be both true in both uh rifts for savage worlds and the original palladium riffs game mastering um, a glitter boy or just a combatant that is so powerful and so potent. You've got the biggest gun combined with the with the toughest armor, right? Um, and so that's that's a really potent combination. Um, one of the, a few different things. Um, if you want to challenge the Glitter Boy in a in a tactical combat, I've said this um, someplace someplace before. I don't remember exactly where. Um, you know, their opponents should be pretty savvy, especially their educated opponents or t- opponents who may have been trained in engaging them. So a Samus pilot just walking towards a Glitter Boy out in the open, he knows that's a death sentence, right? Um, but because of that, you they're going to usually not engage unless they have multiple – unless they outnumber the Glitter Boy itself, right? So you would want to have at least – two samus maybe three uh, engaging a glitter boy and they would be approaching at high speed from different directions maybe flying right over the treetops or zooming amongst canyons or 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 city streets uh whatever whatever kind of environment they're in they're going to use the co- the natural cover to their advantage so that they can get um within range to hit that glitter boy um they're going to be you know having uh, they're, they're, if they, if they ha- have any suspicion, they're going to be fighting a glitter boy, they're probably going to be loaded for bear with their mini missiles. Um, so those are, those are some of the things to keep in mind with there um, that, that could also include, uh, electronics checks, uh, to try and spoof a glitter boy or distract him or make him vulnerable. Um, and, and so to keep those things in mind, um, and a lot of times some one of the best ways to deal with a Glitter Boy is to throw something really big at him that you want. Um, and so don't be afraid if you're a game master and you have a big battle, and whether if you're playing um, a written adventure, right, uh, maybe maybe you need to spice up something if you know that you're a Boy player. Uh, or your team is—is is, it could be just the team itself, right? Um, are just real combat monsters? Well, maybe you need to boot, to buff up the combat encounters. Um, the, those aren't the way that we write them in published adventures. Isn't the end-all, be-all, right? You might need to lower it if you have a group of of uh, of, of Mars non—you know, not maybe not primarily combat Mars characters. And at the same time, if you have a big combat-heavy group, you might need to buff them up. But uh, those are some of the general things I would say that can be a lot of fun. But I would also say if you really need to, if you really need to, um, sometimes uh, you you can throw if a glitter boy is not strong in one area, maybe using the puppet power that can be devastating. If a glitter boy can be puppeted by an opponent, or worse, say a mind melter that is is going to physically inhabit right uh, is going to uh, mentally possess him, um, and so things like that could be super dangerous now the glitter boy is not just out of the fight, he's a liability to his allies. Um, The other options um, is that you can obviously, there's all other types of tricks uh, that can be used against them, um, whether that's testing them um, with, you know, very commonly like taunt or intimidate um, or uh, trying to take care of them outside of combat. But in, in direct combat, those are some of the things that I suggest that you focus on, especially if the bad guys are i have those abilities like a, a mind melter or a ley line walker or you know powerful um m- magic or psionic users uh th- definitely take a look at those abilities um or even simple simple uh spells uh, or powers like blind or uh entangle right uh these are these are different things that uh different powers that can very quickly uh render a glitter boy um Obsolete if the, especially if the, if the hero isn't built to deal with those things. If a hero is running around with a, a low, a low spirit, low smarts, um, then, then, that, then his opponents are going to figure that out because these are, uh, larger than life heroes and they're going to have a reputation, right? And that's part of the, the, the hero legacy of playing Twitter Boy. You get the bonuses to your persuasion roles, you get, uh, you get you know boosted uh, reactions from from people, but also uh, you're, you're you're the first on on the list of targets to take out by opponents. They know who you are. They're plotting your downfall, right? And so they're going to figure out uh, the way to get to that glitter boy hero. And the more that they keep clashing with with a certain faction or opponent or opponents, uh, the worse that's going to get. They're going to get to know that hero um, and his his different foibles, or maybe the people near him that are weak.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great series of advice. In fact, uh, the one of the more common pieces of advice people give is, you know, magic is the foil of the Glitter Boy. Um, like you said, I can't reiterate the puppet. Uh, some other things to consider, you know, as the magic specialized, like hunter killers, like a mystic or mystic knight using blaster and the soul blast power modifier can pretty much cut through the Glitter Boy's armor pretty effectively.
2: Yep, absolutely. Uh,
0: another little uh, nasty hunter-killer team that I keep in my side, especially for the sea C- of the coalition, is basically just uh, a specialized coalition trooper with a CR1 rocket launcher, giant killer, and the take him down edge. Like, just, just basically, armor-piercing mini missiles will, like, missiles will shred a glitter boy faster than you can think.
2: Absolutely, those are uh, those are extremely dangerous
0: of course the problem is is you know you don't and that this is the challenge too right because he's he's very powerful you want to you want you know we're we're all on the same side making a story so going out of your way to try and kill your glitter boy is probably not a great gm advice but giving him a challenge that's kind of the kind of the goal unfortunately savage worlds
2: happens <laughs> well and that's the thing i would say is that um is that 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 is the challenge right is giving your players challenge um as a game master just remember that your challenge is to give them challenge and to push their abilities right and so if they if they have to push their abilities if they have to work together as a team if they have to um you know diversify their character build maybe over a long period of time if they notice that they keep going down to the same the same enemy um or the same type of, of of threats um that's 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 what's fun um the other thing is, is remember in, in um, Rifts for Savage Worlds, we have the very wonderful um, Death and Defeat table. So I know people talk about, and it's a really great rule, Blaze of Glory is a lot of fun. And it can be really great when a character goes out in a Blaze of Glory and does something really cool. Um, but another thing, though, to remember is that there is the Death and Defeat table. And the vast majority of the time, your hero is going to, uh, they're going to survive that shave that close shave with death and they might be they might be a long recovery time or they might have uh you know a tough recovery i should say um they might uh have some sort of near-death you know character changing experience but if you think of it kind of like a comic book uh this is where the drama is right this is where a lot of the fun is in the storytelling is dealing with those things and so i would say don't don't cut your character's uh Well, their hero journey, right? Don't cut their hero journey, hero's journey short. Um, Make sure that you give them the chance to enjoy um, those close shaves with death because that's, that's a part of of playing riffs as well is those, those, those tough close shaves with, uh, with annihilation while you're fighting, um, you know, alien intelligences that man was not meant to know.
0: Yeah. And. The nice thing about uh, Savage Worlds is a lot of the subsystems. Now, when it comes to uh, kind of just one more thing on combat specifically, the other thing to keep in mind with your enemies, make them smart. Like, you know, have them engage the Glitter Boy at point-blank range. Have them attack them in environments like mountains and forests that limit their range, limit their ability to detect things, um, reduce the weather and visibility, even though the Glitter Boy will negate some of that. Um, swarm them with uh, a lot of you know a lot of small things. Those are all uh, other smart ways to challenge the glitter boy and also challenge other non-glitter boy players without overwhelming them.
2: Right and that's one of those things again it's it's uh, if sometimes when we play theater of the mind it's easy to just think of, everyone's just out on this open plain, (laughs) but even even i mean i live in a pretty flat part of the united states down in texas but even in this uh part of part of the u.s um there's actually a lot of gently rolling uh ground i don't know if you call it hills but um between that and and trees and 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 homes or, or you know in in rifts those might be ruins right but uh all those things that that can create really interesting environments and and uh, make sure you use those environments to keep to keep things interesting. It wouldn't have been very fun if the if you were watching Return of the Jedi and the the stormtrooper legions just fanned out on some open plain and just gunned down all the all the Ewoks from you know hundreds of yards away. But what happened <laughs> to instead is they had to deal with they had to deal with you know this this insurgency in a jungle environment, right? Um, very, very, uh, Vietnam-ish. but, uh, but yeah, that those are, those are the kind of things where, um, the, the Roman legion, uh, in the Teutoburg forest is defeated by the Germans, right? While they were marching in a, in a column, same thing can happen to the heroes. The same thing can happen to their enemies. So when people play smart, uh, that, that should be the most rewarding way to play riffs.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And it's, uh- It can be a very tactical game. I I personally am a kind of a maps and minis kind of guy, but, you know, all always work. Um, But kind of like I mentioned a minute ago, one of the really powerful parts of Savage Worlds Adventure Edition is some of those um, additional adventure tools like quick encounters and mass battles and social encounters. I definitely recommend... I use these a lot in my own game, and they're a very good way to even... Uh, in a in a situation, allow for the characters to do crazy, cool things, just like the Glitter Boy is.
2: Absolutely, and I, I totally agree with that. I was just talking with Donald Schleppis on um on um, an interview the other day about kind of about this. Um, that's one of the things that I think is is wonderful about Savage Worlds. It's very cinematic, and just like when you go watch um, an Indiana Jones movie, uh, it's Usually not about a straight up fight. Sometimes it is, right? Um, but even when you go watch other other movies um, that that might have uh, a lot of combat involved um, now when I watch movies I, I, I kind of crank through my mind thinking okay would this be like a chase scene in in, in in savage worlds would this be a quick encounter would this be a social conflict right and that's one of the ways that as a game master you can kind of sharpen your toolbox uh, sharpen all your little tools and knives and, and know exactly how to, how to how to dice up a story so that it can be a lot of fun for everybody because that's why someone plays the uh, you know the encourageable, rogue scholar that's also a genius hacker right because he's always getting in and getting, getting want to get into trouble he's always getting information he shouldn't have and he's always blabbering about it um, and that should be fun and that should be that should be challenging and that should make a difference in the story and so By making sure that you balance your combat encounters with plenty of storyline and other types of of exciting adventure encounters, right? A a chase scene is fun. Uh, Chase scenes can be a blast. Um, And they can also be very challenging for a Glitter Boy hero. Actually, when I was running the uh, plot point campaign from Empires of Humanity, uh, Ex Machina, there was an adventure where the Glitter Boy and the other heroes were chasing um, some enemies. Um, it was a, a rooftop type of chase. And <laughs> that, the Glitter Boy player, though, he had, he had, he had gotten some good melee weapons. Um, and so as he was fighting his way through um, a, a small army of mercenary juicers and crazies and stuff like that, uh, he got, he got to, to show that a Glitter Boy could shine in that type, type of an environment as well.
0: Yeah, like uh, the when my group kind of came together, we were actually playing the uh, Mechanoid Invasion. We were playing a defense of a city oh. with the Mechanoids attacking, and our Glitter Boy player was, uh, we did a mass battle, and he was doing kind of... So- Artillery support and my um, cyber knight was actually up in the front, like helping plant some explosives to bring down a mountainside. And it was just this, like, this awesome flow of, you know, the glitter boy and some of the big robots taking out, like, the really heavy, like, brutes and stuff like that, while we were in close trying to deal with, you know, the, a lot of the thin men and those kind of things. So it, it was really a very memorable uh, scene for all of us even to this day. Um, and everybody had their part to play in it.
2: Absolutely. And that's, and that's the best, that's the, that's the best thing, right? Again, it's make sure that you've got a challenge for everybody, um, that, that fits everyone's abilities. And some, every once in a while, you're going to have someone who they don't have a, a combat focus character. Well, give them a, give them control of an ally. That's interesting too. That's another option. That's one of the great things about Savage Worlds is, is throwing them some extras or allied wild cards. Um, if you' If you've got a lot of combat encounters coming, that's a way to kind of dodge that bullet as well to make sure that that, that player is still engaged um, with a character that's meaningful and their success or defeat in the in the, uh, in the combat or the overall adventure is still interesting.
0: Yeah, agreed. So, and of course, you know, there's also the, okay, we're going to do everything we can to get the glitter boy out of his suit. suit. So let's put him in social encounters. Let's put him, have them do networking (laughs) and investigation that you can you can do that a little bit. Like I even will kind of narrate force my powered armor pilot out of his suit from time to time, but it's one of those things like they built a glitter boy because they want to be the glitter boy. So I I would do that on occasion, but not make that like your standard, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of this piece of equipment uh, out of their
2: way. Right. And again, I'd say, go see, please go check out the uh, game master's handbook. If you're a game master, um, in rifts or Savage Worlds, definitely check out the um, this, the Adventure Edition of the Game Master's Handbook. But uh, we do touch on that. It, it's okay to take away something like that every once in a while, but you don't want to do it all the time. Now, at the same time, you know, when I was game mastering, uh, there's when you go into certain settlements in Rifts. Taking a tank in with you just isn't an option, right? <laughs> um, you don't yep. go into a bar in your glitter boy suit, like you're not even going to go through the door, right? So um, th- that's 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 actually kind of that's that's kind of built into that that uh, that glitter boy. Um, and, and, and his balance as well. So, um, you know, when a bar fight breaks out, <laughs> hopefully the Glitter Boy pilots got at least a little bit of fighting. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind is that in uh, Rifts for Savage Worlds, the Glitterboy Boy does have a bonus persuasion. He's, he's part of this heroic legacy. So that can be a really great place for a a glitter boy pilot to shine and have a lot of fun in non-combat encounters in, 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 in these social encounters. And so keep that in mind as well, a glitter boy pilot, especially as long as he can be identified, right. If he's wearing his, uh, his glitter boy pilot suit, um, that's going to be a pretty or if He's well known in an area. That's going to be pretty cool too, right? Because everyone's going to know who he is, um, or know of him and he's going to be a center of attention. And so there's a lot of role-playing opportunities there as well.
0: Well, and I I have to bring in a a real world thing for my life, but uh, a glitter boy pilot is probably going to be a lot like an air force pilot. You know, hey, he's going to talk about himself. He's going to let you know that he's a glitter boy pilot. There probably there may be glitter boy groupies around.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. There, and there, and and if you read the lore, there are groupies, right? There are those who will just there's a lot who will just sign up. Um, and work with, because, because they want to be part of that legacy of, of heroism and, and justice.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so that's kind of using setting up your encounters and all that kind of stuff for the game master. Now, mind you, as a game master, you are kind of overseeing a lot of the stuff. So session zero, you know, house rules, like throughout this discussion, Sean and I have thrown out some of the different house rules that we've used just kind of on the fly. But that's some things to consider, um, when you're setting up your, your game and one of your players says, Hey, I want to play glitter boy. Um, I mean, one thing I personally do, I've gone, I've combed through, and sorry, Sean, I know you work for Peg. Um, I've gone through a lot of other Savage settings, and I have a document where I've pulled out a lot of different edges that people could potentially use, whether they're Glitter Boys or other things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, There's actually some pretty good, uh, uh, some, uh, well, of course, uh, the sci-fi companion that we have out one coming out soon hopefully uh and then some of the other settings like deadlands actually has some pretty good uh um edges that you could easily bring into uh rifts for savage worlds
2: um yeah it does it does actually dead i would say that uh, deadlands one of the things is that you know rifts for savage worlds um the second edition of of savage rifts um was, was was adapted this way, but it was the first thing to support uh, the adventure edition. And so you'll actually notice that uh, some of the, there are some really cool ideas in, in some of the other um, the other products that are coming out or have already come out, right? Like whether it's Deadlands or Deadlands Lost Colony is a really cool one. Um, the new Pathfinder stuff is really cool. Um, and there's a lot of different things that you could take from those um, different uh, different settings and bring them into uh, and and, and uh, especially when the companions come out definitely that's all designed to be um, pretty dang interoperable so um, I would I would definitely uh, encourage people to do that in fact um, if you want to play a character from, from another setting as well there's the uh, rules in the tomorrow Legion players guide um, for just for doing that right that you can there's a you can go ahead and just check on the sidebar and uh, on page uh, 8 Introducing other heroes, you can go ahead and check on that and, and build out heroes to bring them into Rifts for Savage Worlds as well.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly, and, and even uh, looking at the uh, online on uh, Drive Through RPG, uh, there's a set of uh, documents called, for the fantasy add-ons that I actually pretty much are allowing within my games and one of the ones that you can literally find a lot of edges that the glitter boy could use both for the, the guardsmen and for the boomer uh, versions that we talked about is called fighters and warlords. Uh, it's on drive through RPG for about eight bucks. It's a, it's a really good, uh, document. I highly recommend it. Um, and then they also have, uh, the same company also puts out a document called tombs and prayers, um, that adds some other powers to, um, savage worlds that you could use, uh, pretty much by anybody, but you could use for your, uh, weird science glitter boy, for example.
2: Yeah, I would say um those things are all awesome um and that's really fun uh and really good. I would say the one thing especially edges you should you should be pretty good um but I would be careful when it comes to uh there are sometimes that some of those uh different swag supplements uh that people come up with um they might have something that stacks oddly with with something that we've already done in risk for savage worlds, um, uh, like, like the, the techno wizardry or, um, building minor or major magic items. And so that's the one thing I would say is to be careful with that, that you, if some, if there's two things that are trying to do the same thing, um, you should probably choose one lane. um, but uh, but yeah, I haven't I haven't taken a look at that specific product. And if you think that it meshes well, um, then that's awesome, right? But I would just say that's my one thing is I do see people um, that uh, maybe are newer to Rifts for Savage Worlds. Maybe they've come. Maybe they're new to Rifts. Maybe they're new to to um, to Savage Worlds because they they're an old um, Palladium player, a big fan. Um, like you know, like you and I come from the Palladium side as well. Um, and I still love Palladium. Um, but uh, you know, when, when that happens, a lot of times I think people are used to homebrewing a lot of things like that. Well, we've already brought a lot of that philosophy to Rift for Savage Worlds. So I would just say for game masters that are new to the system, I would say maybe try and play it just a little the first campaign or so, play it as you know, kind of as written to kind of get a feel for what is possible and make sure you've read all the different books that we've, and we've got a lot of material out there now. Um, but then the other thing is, is yeah, once you've, once you've got that foundation under you, definitely try things out and have fun with it and let us know what you think. But, uh, I just, you know, I just want to make sure that everyone, uh, has a good, has a, as, as, as positive as an experience as possible.
0: Agreed. Yeah. And definitely, well, definitely one of your roles is the GM is trying to make, you know, Uh, There have been, I've thrown in some, some rules and stuff that we started playing and I go, Oh, yep, that's not going to work. So just have a conversation and readjust Um, some other house rule stuff like like Sean mentioned earlier um, is maybe allowing your glitter boy pilot to pilot a T550 or maybe a golden Eagle uh, Samus. Now the golden Eagle does is laser resistant. Is that correct?
2: Uh, yes, I believe it is. Let me double check real quick, but yeah, I believe it is. Um, the, and the golden Eagle, I mean, I, I would say if you're going to do a golden Eagle, I would just say do a power armor ACE because they're, they're not going to be widely, I mean, maybe they could be an honorary, you know, club member, a glitter boy club member or whatever, <laughs> but in general, they're not very well known. And that's the thing about the Republicans is that they're very, very elusive, they're very reclusive um but uh yeah the golden eagle Samus, um it, it it it's definitely an option, but i would say maybe go for a power armor ace instead okay. um because it may not fit that uh but if you want it to it can right i mean that's that's the cool thing about savage worlds right so if you want to it could definitely uh be the uh you know a sim- you know similar similarly um powered as a, as a glitter boy hero. Right. So, um, but yes, they do have the laser reflective armor.
0: Cool. Yep. And then, uh, in the past, uh, so Victor Diaz, who, uh, oversaw the, uh, the savage riffs on Google plus community, uh, back in the day, put out a document called boomers where he stat- he went through and statted out all the glitter boy variants from all the different books we discussed earlier. Um, that's out there, uh, still, but it's in a uh, deluxe edition. Um, and, and Sean will probably shoot me. I'm, I've kind of gone through to homebrewed and updated it to suede. So I'll throw a link out there, uh, for you guys to look at as well. And of course those are all house rule. They're not official per, uh, Persuade. I've tried to balance them against the G10 and the T550, but uh, take a look and uh, salt to flavor.
2: Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that's great about the community. And Victor's a great guy, and you, you, you guys are both, uh, you know, diehard riffs grognards and fans and true fans and so um i would definitely say take it take a look at that uh, i haven't i haven't looked at it myself yet um but if it's if victor and you worked on it i would say definitely to the fans to take a look at that stuff and it could be a lot of fun and and uh yeah just you know that's where game masters need to uh exercise exercise their own judgment right um a lot of these things are there's a lot of different ways you can approach Heroes in Savage Worlds, and so I would say, have fun with it. And the concept of the Glitter Boy, you know, these wandering, armored Ronin uh, that that are are, are riding the wrongs in the wasteland. That's a that's a really really cool concept um, that just has reverberated with fans for for three decades now, right? So have fun with it and try and build your own legacy within your own campaign.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I mean, the Glitter Boy, it is one of the icons of rifts i mean heck half half of the rift's picture is a glitter boy the other half is kind of a skeletal demon but you know the players they're going to want to play it to have fun um and you know let them be that one point tons of gleaming metal and i love the callback to babylon <laughs> 5 there by the way
2: <laughs> i don't know I won five so so i that that uh that, that was lost on me
0: <laughs> oh my god dude you <laughs> You need to go get on yeah, HBO in, max right I'm now.
2: Cool. I need to go binge it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I almost, they almost should have glitter boys in that show. would be awesome. So, but yeah, definitely have fun with it and, you know, try not, you know, try to find that balance between limiting them and letting them dominate your game. So,
2: yeah, and it is, I think it's all about balance, right? Um, you don't want to go to either, either extreme, but also, uh, if they're just, if the glitter boy player is just shooting everything and basically playing whack-a-mole all day long, that's not going to be fun for him either. Right. Or her. Um, so I would say, make sure that your players are engaged and we've already talked about a lot of great ways to do that. Um, and just, you know, take that. It might sound like a challenge, but I would say, uh, look at it as an opportunity for even, even greater storytelling.
0: Amen. And then, uh, so one last little blurb, uh, if you, if you're a a minis and maps kind of person, definitely go over to palladium books and look up the uh, resin glitter boy minis that they've got. That miniature is amazing. It definitely, it's definitely going to be a crowning jewel on your table if you get it.
2: It is, and I would also say take a look at just load up the Palladium Books webpage, right? Uh, because it's got a really great animation of a Glitter Boy that will greet you upon loading the website.
0: Amen. All right, Sean, well, I think uh, I think we've pretty much uh, smacked that around with a f- supersonic boom. So uh, anything else you want to add before we call it a night?
2: No, that's it. Um, I just, you know, again, I'm glad to be back on. Glad you're doing another episode. And uh, just thanks again to all the fans for the support um, for for Savage Worlds and for Riffs. Uh, we're, we're all very appreciative. Everybody from, you know, Kevin Zambita to Shane to me to Simon, Jody, everybody. We we, we, uh, we we love working with you guys and hope that you enjoy um, the upco- all the upcoming releases um, like Atlantis and South America.
0: Awesome. And uh, with that, it's a good night. Hello, listeners. For your information, Palladium Books currently has a sale, a drive Through RPG that's ongoing. It's called The Fight Against the Darkness. It has several Dead Rain, Fantasy, Heroes Unlimited, and Nightbane books. However, for Rifts, it includes Dark Conversion Book, the Vampire Kingdom's World Book, the Vampire Kingdom's Source Book, the GM's Guide, and China One World Book, in addition to the Wormwood and Scraper's Dimension books. This sale runs through April 28th. They've also released the original Rifts trilogy that includes Sonic Boom, Deception's Web, and Treacherous Awakenings, as well as the Hammer of the Forge series, and a new book called Duty's Edge. If you have any refugee questions, wish to leave a mission report, or submit a Legionnaire for Legionnaire's Last Call, please email me at voiceofhopepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Also, if you're into using miniatures in your Savage Rifts game, please join my Facebook group, the Rifts Miniatures Group. If you're looking for additional Savage Worlds podcasts, please check out Savage Interludes, the Wild Die Podcast, and the Murder Hobo Show. And finally, check out SavageRifts.com, the premier Savage Worlds play-by-post website. The Voice of Hope podcast references the Savage Worlds game system available from Pinnacle Entertainment Group at www.piginc.com. It is unofficial media content permitted under the Media Network Content Agreement. This content is not managed, approved, or endorsed by Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Certain portions of the material used is the intellectual property of Pinnacle, all rights reserved. Savage Worlds, all related settings, and unique characters, locations, characters, logos, and trademarks are copyrighted. Pinnacle Entertainment Group. The music in the intro and prologue are killers and writers thing by Kevin MacLeod license under Creative Commons Drive International License Riffs in the Megaverse is a red